I've got a different message. Um, I was really, I tried to get out of it this morning in my office, but um, I couldn't. I'd like you to go to Ecclesiastes chapter 1. The author of this book is Solomon, and you know a lot about Solomon. He wrote three of the books in the Bible. One was the Proverbs, and that was in the peak of his day. Hey, hey, Caitlin. Uh, Got a baby here? Yeah. No, you're not. You're holding that long. Um, There is, and it was in his younger days when he started off as a king and wrote Proverbs and wrote about the issues of life and, and how it was good and bad and what to do, what not to do, who to listen to, who not to listen to, who to get involved in your life, and what to abstain from. And then he wrote the uh, uh, Song of Solomon, which we know is a passion book. And that's for uh, age 13 and above. Uh, um, come on, folks. A little, a little laughter or something. But that book is about passions and about life. It's about uh, the Lord coming back and, and loving Israel the way they should have loved him. And, and you can read between the lines. And then we go to Ecclesiastes. And Ecclesiastes was written when he's later in life. How many of you noticed that when, when guys get older, i got to get my sheet here. Uh, there was a joke that I heard once that, that old people sit on the front porch and they just bark about it, everybody who goes by, either how they drive or something about them. And, and if you've noticed about older men that they're kind of like this. And that's kind of how the place where Solomon had gotten. And... You can kind of take this right in this book a couple different ways, but it was almost with a purpose. It was written this way, um, the effect that it had and, and the way he wrote the things he did. If you know anything about Ecclesiastes, you know he deals with the, the topic vanity. And let me just stop here before I get started. Um, you may be here this morning, you have a lot of doubt. You think that life is all about right now and, and it's all about what we can do and Without us, beyond us is not any, any other purpose. And that's really from the perspective that he was writing this book. But when we get to the end, hopefully you'll see a little twist to this. And I think a little change to uh, what life is all about. I could ask you what life is about and I'd have a variety of answers, but we will find out. Um, Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse 1 and 2. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. So establishes very, very vividly who he was. No one had any questions about him. And the writings will say the same thing. Vanity, vanities, saith the preacher. Vanities, vanities. Vanities of vanities. All is vanity. If you know anything about him in his writings, he, he was very much upset with the way life was. And he was telling us all that nothing means anything. Have you ever tried to... Uh, bring a little direction to your life, but he said there was none. All is vanity. Nothing matters. No meaning to life, and it's hopeless. It's hopeless in what you do. Have you ever thought about you living? Everything that you do is hopeless. It's just random. It's just no no benefit and doesn't do any good. And that's what he wrote in verse 2. Verse 3. Of what profit hath a man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun? One generation passeth, and another generation cometh. But the burden, but the earth abideth forever. The sun ariseth and the sun goeth down, 
and hastened to his place where it arose. The wind goeth to the south, the wind goeth toward the south, and turneth about the north. It whirleth continually, and where the wind turneth again according to its circuits. All the rivers run into the sea, yet all the sea is not yet the sea is not full. And to the place from which come the rivers come, thither they return again. <clears throat> things are full of labor. All things are full of labor. A man cannot utter. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with working. But things which has been shall be, and that which is done is, shall be done again. And there is no new thing under the sun. Is there anything that may be said? See, this is new. It hath already been of old, which is before. There is no remembrance of former things. Neither, neither shall there be remembrance of things that are to come. There, those things that shall come thereafter. Now, I'm going to go through each of these scriptures. I'm going to kind of, and hopefully, enlighten us a little bit on what each of them is standing for. And verse three is, is talking that it's all going to end. It's not, no matter what you do, your life is going to end. I'll be honest with you. Here lately, my, I've thought a lot about my life and. And I'm 54, and I look at my mom at 75, and, and my mom sent me, a, sent me a frightening text yesterday or, uh, or a couple of days ago. And she said, Dwight, it only gets faster. Life. That stinks. That stinks. I've, I've been thinking about just in the past where my kids had come from high school, and, and they here and gone. That seemed like a long time ago when they were little. But now they're at the place that I was, and I look at my mom. Wow. I mean, he's depressed yet. No matter what you do, you're going to die. No matter what you do, you're going to die. No matter how much you prepare for it, no matter how much you think about it or don't think about it. Does anybody else think about those things, about death and it's it's. Nobody else is old as me. Yeah, thank you, Donnie. It, it, it's just something that seems to arrive, and, and, it's, and it really stinks. It's just the way it is. Uh, verse 4 through 7, it says, all things will continue after you've gone. Verse 7, it talks about the wind and the rain and, and the way that they go to one way, and, and you, never, you can't really understand it. And then the river's emptied to the sea. The sea is never full. Then it's evaporated back up, and it goes back into its cast on the ground, and it's thrown back into the rivers. And all those things will continue after I'm gone. Man, how depressing is this book getting? How depressing. But, but see, the thing is, if you don't believe, and there isn't a God factor in your life, I'm describing you. And all you have to, all you have to live for is the things you can obtain and the things you can enjoy. And life itself becomes just you. I thought, you know, it's usually when you become a little older, you think these ways, but many of you, maybe you've been stuck in that thinking and that there is no way out. Let me go on. Verse 8 says, you will never be satisfied with anything. You'll always be looking for something new. There's no new thing under the sun. It may take different forms. It may, may be more modern, but it's still going to be short-lived. 9 to 10. It's routine. You have nothing more to be excited about. <clears throat> and verse 11. And this is the most hurtful of them all. <clears throat> you, won't, you won't be remembered. You won't be remembered. 
you die and everybody looks at you and they, you think that you're making an impact and you have influence on people. And we'll get to that in a minute. But, but for some reason, it just isn't achieving its, its, its worth. And when you die, let's just read it. There is no remembrance of former things. Neither shall there be the remembrance of things that come of those that come hereafter. When you read this, you think, man, he's kind of, kind of morbid and depressing, and, and he is, if you understand his perspective on this. And I'm going to go into the reasons, some of the reasons, of the things he wrote and their application to our life. Everything is nothing, and everything is all there is. Everything is nothing, and everything is all there is. <clears throat> what difference does God make? Does God make any difference in this? Does it make any difference in this picture? Does he change the dynamics of it? Does everything stay the same? Does your, does your perspective need to say, look at things still the same with him or without him? Life has no meaning and nothing else matters. I want that to sink in for just a second. Life has no meaning. There's no purpose in my life, no purpose in my wife's, no purpose in... Lathan's no purpose in Tyson's, no purpose in Lana's. But then it goes to no purpose in Maisie's, no, no purpose in London, Blakely, Walker, Sophie. There's not a purpose. Now I said, held him up here a while ago because he is, I'm officially his favorite person. If I'm around, bam, I got him. And uh, that may not be totally true, but, and I have his attention. And I would hate to think, looking at precious he is at, at his age, that there's no plan and a purpose in his life. But with this thinking, there isn't. It's no wonder that people commit suicide and, and they think how horrible life is and, and think that, well, let me just go to my notes. It doesn't matter how you live. Could you imagine living in a way that it doesn't matter how you live? Your morals, your, your integrity, the way you value people, the way you don't, it doesn't matter. It's going to end anyway. You get, you get, your purpose is to get yourself ahead. It doesn't matter that you have lived. It doesn't even matter that you existed. That's pretty heavy stuff. When we get to the place that we, we, we think life is so, so short and is so limited, it's a matter that we even lived. How about what you do? Is it important what you do? What you do for a living? What you do in your private time? Your personal time, you know, the thing that molds those around us is what we do when nobody else is there. If you're just out on family outings, your integrity and things, but it doesn't matter anyway because it's not going to matter. Doesn't matter where you've been. Doesn't matter what you stand for. I'm going to I'm going to be honest with you. Preparing this is such an other end of the spectrum from what I believe. But. The reason that I wanted to share it is because a lot of us are stuck in between. We don't want, we want to believe in God. We don't believe there's no purpose. If you don't believe in God, there is no purpose. There is no purpose for anything. It doesn't matter what you stand for. It doesn't matter who you influence. It doesn't matter what you accomplish in your life. It doesn't matter what you... It doesn't matter what your morals are. Your life means nothing. And you should have never been born. 
same effect. There's no outcome. If you die, you just die. You go back to dirt. Your worm, worms eat your body. Boy, it's just kind of depressing if you think of it that way. So how should we all live? Should we live in a way that all of us look at ourselves and we say, man, I'm number one. I'm going to beat down anybody who gets in my way. I'm going to step on anybody that I can get to what I want. Because all this life that matters is what it consumes me. What I want to do. What I have to have. That's all that I think about. The benefits, preserving our own life, keeping ourselves safe. Because if, nobody, if God doesn't matter, then if God isn't real, then nobody else should care either. Could you imagine how we would be in this group of people if all of us sit and thought that it doesn't matter anyway? We would all be so rampant doing whatever we wanted. I'd hate to live in a community with the people that think that way. What I do to others doesn't matter. Every job that I take, it has no impact upon our, our country. Hey, could you imagine with this thinking, <clears throat> what about people who put themselves uh, last? How about people who sacrifice themselves for our military? What are they fighting for? What is our military fighting for? What do our what is our law enforcement standing and filling the gap and, and keep us safe or to try to? If there is no if there's no purpose to life, all these things matter and they all have an effect upon us. Don't they? I cannot explain it like Robbie X. Zacharias says it, but it all goes to the fact that there's moral law. And if you can't see God in this, there is moral law on the planet. It's just the way God established it. The reason we have people in our military is that they want to do what? They want to fight for our country. Oh, they may fight variety of other places, but there's always things we don't know, ulterior motives, motives for why they're over there. And they defend. Why would we have a defense system? So we can defend and protect ourselves. In Ecclesiastes in chapter 12. Matter of fact, if there is no God, Hitler could have done whatever he wanted to do. However many millions he took, however many millions that he took at the expense of the Stalin that he took, those guys aren't accountable to anybody. The people, the people that are sexually abusing little kids, it doesn't matter anyway. Does it? Who are you to say what's right and wrong? And who are you to bring a moral stance on, on certain things? Chapter 12, verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God shall, for God shall bring every work into judgment and every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. 
the very ending of the book, a man who thought about everything, and all he would do was sit and think about reasons and applications and what, and what about life that, that works. After he wrote the whole book and he talked about vanity and nothing meaning anything and nobody finding any value at all in life itself, he writes two, two comments in the last two verses. Let's hear the, whole, the conclusion to the whole matter to keep his commandments. And verse 14, for he shall bring every work into judgment. Every secret thing, which should be good, it be, whether it be good or whether it be evil. And I will talk about that in just a minute. The whole book is to prove that, that doing it was a way, doing it the way the man. Just a minute. The whole book was, was to prove that a man doing it the way he wants was dark. It was depressing and unfulfilled. The conclusion of the matter is this. The duty of man is this, to follow after the things of God. He will handle the injustices. How often, we often wonder where, when, whenever we sit and think about those things and about per, perverse things and the way things are done with uh, illegally treating people and things all across the planet. None of us could handle the abuse that some religions have and some people have upon the women. Let's look at America. In America, uh, we have a lot of rights, don't we? Yeah, you have the women can drive a car. They shouldn't, but they, no, I was kidding. Uh, they should drive, they should drive, they should drive Ed Here's truck. That's how good they can drive. Women can drive and uh, go and vote and, and cut their hair, put on perfume, makeup, put on a long dress or short dress, long dress. Uh, uh, they have all those rights. And men, you know, it's general. It's just a common thing that we understand that men have rights, and that's always been. But over in some countries, y'all knew just recently in Palestine, was Palestine or Pakistan, that women finally were allowed to drive. And it's all these women driving their cars and so excited. Why couldn't they? Why couldn't they? Because of men's rules. If no God, then no justice. There's no God, then there's Hitler. If no God, then there's Stalin. If there's no God, there's also something called uh, socialism. If you know what socialism is, you know what atheism is, you know what, there is no God. And listen there with me. If there is no God, then there is no statute or no accountability to anybody else but us. And who is us that has all the answers? And who do we respect in, in our country and in other countries that we respect them so much that we, they do have our respect? Nobody. Nobody. They have a standard on which all the people can uh, abide by. Have you, how many of you remember in school, some kids got away with everything? And you never got away with nothing. Yeah, be quiet, Tyson. You got away with everything, and they got away with nothing. It's a form of socialism, I guess you say. It's about sweeping under the rug or, or not paying any attention to anything when it doesn't apply to you. Let me ask you this. If there is no God, what happens to the millions of little girls and big girls who are captured and taken and thrown into sex, uh, slavery and the sexual trafficking that goes on in the world? 
What happens to those guys? There's no way we'll catch them all. There's no way we'll ever catch them all. How do we ever change their mind? How do we ever get them to see that they're doing something wrong? See, they have their own set of standards. Until we get in their mind, until they can make a decision to follow Christ, they'll never, because they don't believe there is a God. And they don't believe there is any moral law. But there is. Nobody gets by with it. And the scripture alone, after all the rebuttals of what's good and what's right and what's wrong, and everything's vanity and everything's darkness and everything's heaviness and nothing ever does matters, even though I, I die and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm in the grave, nobody's going to remember me a couple years later. I'll tell you another thing. A lot of you think, I don't know what you think, but uh, I know that I'm here for a purpose right now. But I'll tell you what, as soon as this guy is gone and the next pastor's here, you're forgot about. Not, not in the poor pitiful me, that's just a fact, just the way it is. And life goes on in this church. Don't ever think that everything is so about you that you'll have any impact Don't ever think that everything is so much about you that it all crumbles without you. Because it will not. Right? I'm almost done. Jeremiah 29, 11. Verse that many of you have heard, many of you said, have heard it many times. Well, let me tell you, there's a purpose in your life. Verse, nine, verse 29, verse 11 says, For I know the thoughts I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil to give you an expected end. You go to Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5. Verse 4, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly I knew thee, and when thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and ordained thee a prophet. There has been a purpose. Now listen to this. You may have always doubted the existence of God, but there has been a purpose in your life from the very beginning. Before you ever seen the lights, before you ever breathed your first breath, there was a purpose in your life. I don't care what you've been taught. We have a lot of students that go off, and I, I know because that happened to me. We have a lot of students that go to college, and when they go there, their first year, they struggle so much with their faith. And so did I. I struggled so much with my faith with different classes and different ones' opinions. And they think that all their professors are, are brilliant, but their professors, I'm going to give you an uh, Anybody here college professors? Okay. College professors are college professors because they couldn't make it in the real world. They're there teaching you how. Uh, that's a pretty bold statement, but it's very true. I better not say that again. But, but it's true. They're there because they have a captive audience. Many of them, not all of them, but many of them have a captive audience. And they couldn't function in a real world. So they go there and they fill your mind with mush and you start believing things that aren't true. And, and you're basically, what you're living is exactly what we read in Ecclesiastes. A hopeless, meaningless life. But there was something so much more. That when you were conceived in your mother's womb, the Lord designed a plan for you. And you are still in it. You may not have given him your life yet, but you're still in it. You're still alive and you have a purpose. 
Jeremiah chapter 5, 1 verse 5. Then he goes go to Ephesians. Chapter 2, verse 10. For we, is, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for two good works, which God hath ordained that we should walk in them. If I just took my life for rant, randomly thinking that I just existed, but I know that there's a purpose, and I know this is the plan in my life and in yours. And you may be questioning a lot of things, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. The Lord doesn't get mad at you because of that. But you are his workmanship. He created you for a specific purpose. I'm one of the places, and i got a story to tell you. Luke chapter 23. There was a guy, I'm just going to tell you what it's about. Luke chapter 23, there was a guy who was uh, arrested with Jesus. never had a purpose in his life. He never did. He just lived by the seat of his pants. And he was on the cross there beside Jesus. And originally he had been uh, pretty blatantly blasting the Lord. Then he had a, he had a, a thought. The same way some of you are having a thought. You're good. You've been to church and and, and you come all the time, and but you've never, never surrendered. And he is repenting to Jesus right there. He said, Jesus, uh, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He said, today you shall be with me in paradise. How many people got hope from that one man's one minute of glory, one minute of grace, one minute of mercy. And many people have finally understood, it's not too late. I still have life. I still have purpose. I'm going to close in this scripture, chapter 14. They send it to him a certain man made a great, made a great supper and he bid many to come. Send his, serv send his servant at supper time to say to them they were bidden to come for things were not ready. And the one they with one consent began to make excuse. The first said, I have bought a piece of ground. I must needs go see it. I pray not to have me, to have me excuse. To another, I bought five oak of oxen to go prove them. To another said, I have married a wife and I therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things and the master sent them to, to his servant. 
master of his house, being angry and said unto his servant, go out quickly into the streets and bring in the poor, the blind, the maimed. And the Lord said to him, it is done as I said, and there is still room. Now, you may be wondering what that has to do with us. It does. It has to do with me. It has to do with you. It has to do with the person that right beside you. It has to do with the person that behind you has been talking the whole time. Or, or someone's been fidgeting the whole time. And I don't know, but it applies to every one of us. I'm going to tell you this story. And I'm going to ask you, if you've not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if this is you who always weighed in the balance of, do I believe in God, do I not believe in God? You see what you're like if you don't. You see what you're like if you don't. There's a woman in, there's a woman named Ann Sullivan in 1887. Anybody know who Ann Sullivan is? You may have heard of her, you may have. But she was a tutor for, for a students. And she had this one student, her name was Helen Keller. And she worked with her for several months in different things, trying to explain the, the scenario. But see, Helen wasn't like every other kid. Helen was blind, and Helen was deaf, and Helen was mute. And she worked with her and worked with her. And finally, you know the story probably, but she, she poured water over her hands, and she finger spilled water. And all of a sudden, the light went off, and everything... Helen wanted to know everything. So she, everything she placed in her hands, let her feel. She fingerspelled it in her, in her hands. Well, while she's doing all this, she got to thinking, how can I explain God? How can I explain God? Now, mind you, this woman had never read, had never seen anything, had never experienced anything. Hand, she wrote G O D. And she told her, I don't know how, but she told her the one that's over all of us and who created us and who made us in his image, he made us. It's just, oh, that's awesome. I knew he existed, I just didn't know his name. His name. A brilliant. As brilliant as anybody could be, probably more brilliant than anyone in here. Even though she was blind and mute and deaf, she was brilliant. As soon as somebody explained to her who Jesus was, she willingly welcomed him in her life. It's the same way with all of us. Same way with us. It's not hard. You may wonder, well, well, everybody thinks I'm this, everybody thinks I'm that. If you've been coming here to church, we should be to a place that it doesn't matter what anybody thinks. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks. We all need a Savior. He's already paid a price. He called us from a mother's womb. He, he knows the plans He has for us. Why not walk therein? There you'll be happy. 